0: From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast. It is the Friday Roundtable here at Classic Rock. 98.1.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We've got lots to discuss today. It's a gorgeous April day. As I look outside, we should have reported it outside, but... Sadly, we don't have a dome here in the studio. Not yet. Uh, not, not yet. We need a retractable, we need a retractable dome studio. Uh, we'll see if uh, the Rogers Center technology people can, can help us <laughs> out with enough. that. Yeah. And we are joined here in the studio today by former city councilor Hollywood Cheryl Miller, political insider Nathan Currancy, and Blackburn Media News Manager Scott Kitching. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Hi, How are you, I'm, sir? Pleasure.
1: I'm,
2: I'm surprised I'm here. I just followed Nathan to ask him for a cup of coffee.
0: And you just wound up,
2: here, just in wound up here in the well,
1: studio? Well, I sat down in a chair, and she ended up cutting my hair, shaving my beard, and threading my eyebrows, of all things. So thank you very much, Cheryl Well, Miller. they say seniors
0: uh, wander sometimes. Don't start worrying about that with
2: you. <laughs> no, I wasn't wandering. I just saw this good-looking guy who needed some work done, because And like then behind father. him was
0: me, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, a place where you worked with Nathan's father, London City Hall. And when you two were there, I'm sure that we discussed, hey, it's time for full-time counsel. In fact, uh, I know that uh, one uh, former colleague of yours, Councillor Orser, may have mentioned that once or twice during his time at London City Hall. In quotes, in quotes. Uh, in quotes once or twice. Uh, and yeah, or full-time in quotes. Yeah, full definitely, full-time, yeah. <laughs> full-time, yeah. Uh, it was on all the signs. Um, so this is a debate that we've been having probably since even before you started as a counselor, and you were first elected in 97. And here we are in 2023, and we're talking about it again. So Cheryl, this time Deputy Mayor Sean Lewis, Budget Chair Elizabeth Pelosi, they put together this letter. It's going to SPBC next week. They're saying, hey, we should look at full-time council." Do you think we should be looking at full-time council?
2: Well, as a matter of fact, I do. Okay. And I never the, did before.
0: I was just going to say, that's that's not often no. been your, uh, your opinion on this.
2: No, because obviously it's not working the way it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> part of the letter I thought was interesting is they're saying about the uh, inequity of the workload. Yeah, it's always been there, mm-hmm. and it's always been a pet peeve of me because you've got the, the dog fuckers out there, and there's a lot of them on this council, <laughs> who say, oh, I've got time for one committee. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean I? you want me to serve three? Oh, I don't have that time. So when they talk about that, I think it's a great point, and it needs to be made because you're all, it, you're all paid the same. And that's what I said. When Sean became deputy mayor for four years, that's an issue I have. Uh, I think, and I believe strongly, and you know, elect the deputy mayors. Let them run and represent the city. Uh, so you've got some citywide votes, all sort of like the Board of Control. but We could elect four people. We could. That would be amazing. But actually, I think people who sit in those chambers realize that what we've got now isn't working. Because
0: There's a few reasons why it's not working. There's a few things that need to be adjusted. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily a reflection on the people who are there now. It's a reflection on this city is different than it was 20 years ago and things need to be adjusted. Nathan, your thoughts?
1: I think the framing of it as full-time counselor is just a little bit. Um, confusing for some people. For, for the public, it definitely is. Because no, these people are working full-time right. jobs. Right. We're not yeah. talking about it being a full-time job. The fact. Okay, what is right. a full-time job? A 40 hour a week job, yeah. it, give or take. This is more than these that. These are 80 hour weeks. week yeah. jobs. Right. This is being more than that. Yeah. What we're talking about is compensating them, frankly, <laughs> it, to a sufficient amount that this is their primary job and that expectation. This is more about, for me, it's more about accountability than it is about calling it full-time. The amount of time they put in is almost secondary. It's more so the expectation from the public and from, you know, members that, you know, work for City Hall or management or just citizens in general should be that this is the primary position of these counselors. And it's, Cheryl, you'll be the first to say it's a different job than it was Ten years ago, twenty years ago, it's just different. What the expectations are, mm-hmm. what they have to go to in the community, um, what they do at council, etc.
2: Well, I, I'm going right. to drift for just there for a second because ten years ago, the lot, the lot, um, wards were larger. Right. Like right now, it's it's really really small. Well, have, not, no.
0: not, not to date you, but it was 15 years ago when the wards were larger. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, date yeah. me. <laughs> I'm married, though. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> well, I think yeah. that the key point is this is going to happen. It, it should happen. I think it's overdue. I think, more importantly, they should not spend a ton of time doing this, whatever the process is. Prove to me that this is a full-time job by not talking about so much mm-hmm. it right. was a full-time job. Um, but just get it done. I think we'll have broad support and essentially what we're talking about is getting them i think they're pegged at about 50 you know 50 percent or whatever the median uh income is in city of london get that up to 65 or 70 in terms of where that is pay them accordingly so that they can be expected to do so also get the meetings scheduled so that they're during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's which be,
0: that's something that they're moving around this week. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so that's
1: going to be expected. I know some people say public participate. Hey, listen, we could still call special meetings if there's going to be 20 plus people in uh,
0: the gallery. Right. That, absolutely. That's and still possible. further to that, here in the era where every meeting is streamed on YouTube, yep. if right. people want to see the meetings, they can do it from the desk at their office or from, the, from their own home if they right. want to do that. Now, they don't have to go to City Hall to do this.
1: The only people that would or will be opposed to this are people that... At this point, anyways, are people that have a job that either pays them more or their lifestyle, um, you know, is such that they need want to. need to do that during the daytime than city council. And the point is, no, this, for us to hold you sufficiently accountable, for this to be your primary position, that is what we expect mm-hmm. as uh, the public. And that's what should be expected. So this, I think, is overdue. And frankly, I don't think they're going to spend a ton of time. I think this is something that needs to, to get done.
3: Scott. Yeah. I I confess to a certain amount of ambivalence uh, when it comes to whether we label this full-time or part-time, because as you said, it is a full-time job for most counselors. Like, you're putting in at least 40 hours a week doing this. So whether we... most, to be clear. Most, exactly, (laughs) most. Uh, Because, yeah, there are some that historically haven't and probably some that currently don't. Um, But I think realistically, like... Whether we call it full-time or part-time is is largely irrelevant because it is full-time. And so further to Nathan's point, what we should be looking at is how we're compensating people and whether or not this is going to be their their primary job. Because, I mean, frankly, this city is what? We're up around 400,000 people now. We're not that much smaller than Hamilton. Hamilton has full-time counselors. Right. We're... You know what? Half the size, I suppose, of Ottawa. Ottawa has full-time councillors. Toronto has full-time councillors. If we are going to bill ourselves as a major metropolitan area in this province, then perhaps the time has come or is past for us to have a city council that reflects that. And and what I would like to see is, a, is our city councillors who are 100% committed to this job. This is their job. It's not their. And I hate using this term. It's not their side hustle, right you know it should yeah. be their primary primary occupation so I'm completely in favor of compensating them to reflect that. How many of whether ha- we call it full-time or part-time is right. kind of a yeah you
0: know, it doesn't really matter what yeah. you call it it matters how you compensate it. I don't even know how many even have other jobs right now it's not that many.
3: There are some, and yeah. I, I don't want to, well,
1: I, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I do know that there are some that yeah, ha- yeah, this there, will affect more, their yeah. life, and yeah. they probably make close to $70,000, $80,000 a year in that job, and frankly may not be able, they'll have to rejig their schedule there. Right. But that's that's really the point I guess we're trying mm-hmm. to make is this job comes first. If you're putting your name yeah. forward and you're if, elected, this needs to come first. If
3: you're missing a very important council meeting because you can't get time off work, All Right. Yep. That's yep. that's an issue. That's and again,
1: we're not talking about. I just want to make this point yep. clear. We're not talking about congressmen in the United States who are, you know, trading stock options with, you know, <laughs> six-figure salaries and all this stuff. No, no, no. We're talking about a job that is a I don't know what it is now. About 50 grand, it's something 52. like that. 52 and we're we're going to get that up to maybe in my opinion 70, get it up to 70 80 yeah, totally fine. good absolutely so we're not talking about a whole horse load of that, money so
0: here. there's 14 of them at twelve. so the raise could be about $28,000 a year in the grand scheme of things that's not very much money right right and we're like uh, i think these people should be receiving that cash right
1: and so i'm not going to make an argument like uh, it, i'm not going to bash them over the head with you know you're giving yourself a raise etc this really is more of a systemic thing that we have not actually done we've talked about for a long time right. it really is about time things have changed even yeah. people like you Cheryl who have a very uh, uh, informed position on this having been there um, it's changed like the job has changed
0: I mean I'd it, kick it to you for your perspective on that. you worked part. at another job when you were on council
2: no well, when I first got a Not when you were first there. No. But you yeah, yeah, you were you
0: were doing real estate and council yeah. at the same time. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And and I think part of the, the issue is that there's the demand twenty four seven. There wasn't there wasn't the cell phones, there wasn't the Twitters, there wasn't the you know the emails, there wasn't all that kind you you actually had to send the letter. You know, had right. to sign the letter. It so so the whole communication with the community has changed dramatically and they want the If they call you, they want you.
1: And to to your point, Cheryl, that was really, if I remember correctly, or at least I do from my father, one of the reasons he was not in favor of full-time counsel was exactly that. You need to be out in the community. You need to be hearing from people, talking to the citizens that actually vote so that you do this. Now, having said that, things have changed. The access, the ability for people to actually communicate through a counselor's website, sending a tweet, writing an email, making a phone call, sending a text message, for heaven's sake. There's a ton. There's a ton. The access um, for the good, in my opinion, um, is there. It's a lot better than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So great. That's a good thing. Let's you know.
2: And I think you get. I think you get far better candidates. People who really want to commit themselves to making the city of London right now. There's a lot of people there who who are doing a phenomenal job. And you know, I don't want to. I don't want to crap on all of council, but this council seems to be reluctant to meet during the day seems to be reluctant to change i
0: i I think you're going to get some big support for the daytime meetings not not just from council but from staff why does staff have to
1: sit there on a monday night or tuesday night at a planning committee until 11 o'clock or whatever Uh, it's like we could do this during the day you know nobody had a conflict why do we have to wait till four o'clock to start the meeting like i mean there's, there was perhaps a justification. These are, in the these pens.
0: are, you know, people who are, you know, on the engineering staff or whatever right. at the City of London, and their day started at nine. Right. And then, oh, we're going to start a, a meeting that may go for several hours at four p.m. Right.
1: And, and you yeah. don't make good yeah.
2: decisions after eleven o'clock. Yeah. You really don't.
1: And I'm not gonna, I'm not right. gonna go all in just talking about uh, staff and specifically management in this context. Let's also talk about, uh, you know, frontline members. Let's talk about QP members, uh, police, fire members. I mean. We employ a lot of people in the City of London for good reason. I mean, in terms of the fundamentals here. Again, those people, similarly to the citizens en masse of the City of London, expect that the people that are on the board of directors of the corporation of the City of London take this job. This is their primary Mm -hmm. position. They need that to be the case. So, you know, and it's, again, we're not talking about... You know, uh, pr- bumping their pay from 100 grand to 200 grand. We're talking about, you know, 50 to perhaps 60 or 70,000. That makes a lot of sense at, at no. this point. And then, hey, if you want a side job, you want to do that, great. You absolutely, because so there's no prohibition on doing that. Of course. It's just this job is your the, primary. The
2: only thing that I, I sort of have an issue with, and I've said it before, is um, the mayor anointing two people who are doing as much work as the mayor and are not compensated for it because... So that's
0: one of the things that's in this letter. I saw that. Is do we formalize the role of deputy mayor and formalize the role of budget chair and how does that look? What do we do with that? Yeah. And I honestly, I think there's tons of different ways you can go with it. I don't know which one they could or should pick, but there's a lot of options.
2: Well, there's animosity of those. Why did you pick him or her? Um, Why didn't you pick me? There's got to be a process. If that's the way they're going to do it, they've got to have a a firm process in there that people can't quibble about because it's like the appointments to committee. You know, that like that, turned into a shit show this year. Of course year. it did. And it's embarrassing for a city this big that we're talking about giving them more money to absolutely watch and listen to the nonsense. There's some interesting
0: ideas that I've heard floating around that building about a committee appointments as far as how right. they can work and things like that. I, I
1: don't, things, uh, let me just disagree with Cheryl, which sure. is just a dream come true on a Friday. like this, <laughs> But the truth, if we're not going to have border control, which we both want, because yes. again, if we had 19, the mayor for border control, 14 counselors, that's 19 people. And you and I, when we go to vote, we would be able to vote for six or seven of those people. That's democracy. That's more of a democracy. Now, what did the people say that wanted, that voted again, this current council current councilor even our good personal friend, uh, Sean Lewis, uh, what did he say? Well, we don't want two-tier council. Right. Well, what the hell are we talking about right now? Well, exactly. We're talking about that. Now, if we're not gonna have border control that's elected en masse, I'm actually okay with this, where we would disagree. If we're not gonna have that, Hey, you know what? Instead of formalizing this process that they currently have, give it to the mayor, the only person who was elected with citywide support, give that person a budget instead of saying, "Hey, you know what, uh, uh the the deputy mayor for finance and the deputy mayor for whatever it is, is, you know, they get a $20,000 bump or whatever. Instead of saying that, give it to the mayor. Say you get a budget of 40 grand or 50 grand and you can allocate it as you see fit, but you have to go then answer for it. I'm not a fan of this depoliticization effort, this effort to, well, we need a standard process or we need a, no, no, you were elected. You have ideas. Use those ideas. Say, hey, uh, hey, Cheryl, guess what? I'm the mayor. I don't have a big finance background. So when I voted for
2: him, I don't know who he's going to pick.
1: Well, then ask him during the election. Get them on the record. Who's going to be your deputy mayor? Well,
2: if, if that's the case, then the mayor has got to stand up and say, I would, if elected, I would appoint these following people. Be upfront with it.
1: I have no problem with that. And I think that's exactly the direction so I would take it. It's but a, there's someone words,
2: might not get might get defeated. I mean, and right. I don't know. So that's why I'm saying we can't be like water in a balloon all over the place. Like, yeah, firm it up.
1: they had a pro- essentially what we're talking about here is they this is a process they've agreed on either this past year. Or really, that's existed for the last you know four plus years now in terms of having a budget chair, the deputy mayor, et cetera. OK, no problem. But I'm not really, like, that's the process this council and this mayor decided on, mm-hmm. or, you know, I guess some previous ones. I'm not necessarily, I guess, in favor of enshrining that specifically. We can do that. But, hey, how about this? Give this it to is, the person no, who was elected citywide. This I mayor has
2: enshrined it. Uh, Ed Holder didn't. He had deputy mayors all over the place. Right, right. right. So that was never enshrined until But there was still
1: council. a deputy mayor that he chose, or that was chosen, and there not was a for budget for the four-year term. Right, exactly, but that mm-hmm. would be the difference. But even now, what we're talking about, yeah, I, I guess what I'm, we're saying is, is is the same thing here. I'm just not a fan, necessarily, of de- depoliticizing it. I think that, you know, you were elected, this is a political thing, yeah. it's you, your you, choice. You,
0: you are a politician, you, are, yeah. you it's time for you to make a political decision. Right. And well, like with most political decisions, there's going to be people who are happy if you're, when you make it, right. and people who are not happy with you when you make it. Well, and I you think, have to balance that.
2: Well, when you're running, shouldn't you have on there, um, why, uh, Deputy mayor, uh, running for ward, whatever, mm-hmm. and deputy mayor. Sure.
1: I, I got no you, problem with that. People I, can
0: campaign whoever they want.
1: Oh, or, or you could say, hey, guess what? I don't know. Well, I, yeah. I'll Vote for me for mayor, and then we'll figure it out once we get there. Because yeah. I don't know. But that's your position. You're taking a position, no. you know, one way or another.
0: Scott, do you think we should elect a deputy mayor? Because some, some municipalities de- think, do Well, that. and that, that yeah.
3: was actually what I was just going to say, is maybe that's maybe that's the answer, is is having, you know, and, and maybe maybe it's a... Uh, Maybe it's like a ticket, right? Like, you know, yeah, say, yeah. you know, Nathan Currancy is running for mayor, and on his ticket, Cheryl Miller is running for deputy mayor. I like, like totally totally like a he would not be oh elected. <laughs> you <get> have <laughs> to cut that. We have to cut that
1: from the podcast. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that would actually be better instead of, uh, you know, electing. See, this was the other thing, and you could chime in about this too. We would elect a mayor and a board of control and the winner of board control would become the deputy mayor. Correct. But you know, just you know, breaking news here on a beautiful Friday: the deputy mayor and the mayor didn't always see eye to eye.
2: Which is great. Which mm-hmm.
1: yes, so I was, think that's good. Rather that's than a good adding. thing. Great. Yeah. Right. So then, a, a ticket would not necessarily be in that. I would say, if I'm running for mayor, I want the deputy mayor to at least be someone you know, who you're somebody aligned. politically
0: aligned with. Right. So, as an example. There were several years in the city where the mayor of London was Anne-Marie DeSico Best, or the deputy mayor was Tom Gosnell. Mm-hmm. They had some disagreements from time mm-hmm. to time, I think it's fair to say, Cheryl, yes?
2: Yes, they yeah. did. So, they were healthy. You'd have to,
0: yeah. I, I'm going to fact check you on that. I'm going to have yeah. to look that one up. I'm not sure. If that,
1: <laughs> they were <laughs> healthy.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: They were. They were. So what you're saying, Nathan, is we'd be in a better situation if it was someone where we know there'd be sort of some some Well, because if I was agreement.
1: my age and stage, when Tom was running, I'd say, hey, Tom, guess what? Instead of running for board of control, yeah. if you want to be on council, run for mayor. Do it. Like. No. Don't be, be in the halfway. That would be what I would say. And Marie know,
0: did have a couple, like, well, at least one kind of free ride there where no one really ran against her. Uh,
1: 2000. Oh, no. Lincoln McArdle, our good buddy, yeah. uh, put up a good fight. You're um, a good you buddy, know, not no. no, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> thought maybe we were rocking. No, no, up. but <laughs> I, I think it was 2000 was when it was. Yeah. And then it was Von Minor in yeah. 03. And, and then, then Joe Fontano, Joe in 06. 06, who should right. eat, and
0: then lost to Joe in 2010. Either right. way, uh, it was not dissimilar to the situation where we just saw Josh Morgan kind of run for mayor and just won because there wasn't anyone else around. Right. right. And right. not that Josh didn't run a good campaign. He did, and he, you know, he did a very good job, but uh, it wasn't super competitive, I think it's fair to say. Well,
1: I would say on that note, yeah. very quickly, and I'll kick to you, Cheryl, is this – actually, I think we're reaping a little bit of what we sowed during the election where it was such a top-heavy front-runner campaign mm-hmm. that there's a lot of these things that are not – that are. Not, in other words, if, if I was supporting a candidate and I was advising them that was running from the front like that and was going to win – get your perspective on the record during the campaign so that these things are not a surprise once you're elected. Because, you know, I know it's much easier in some respects when you don't have a competition. It's also harder because, you know, you're not saying things and then they're a surprise later on. Yeah, so.
2: I know. It was not a good...
0: On the committee appointment part part of this, because that's in the in, in the letter as well, and this is all on the agenda now, I believe. It, you can see the story at LondonNewsToday.ca right now if you want to go take a look at it. Uh, in the wake of what happened with, with Ryan Goss, and I don't think that was particularly well handled by a lot of people, um, they're looking at changing the way that the City of London appoints people to boards and committees uh, who are members of the community. So not councillors but members of the community. Uh, what sort of changes do you think they could or should make to that? Do either of you have ideas there?
1: I don't think they should make changes. I think they should make their decision and execute it and live with the consequences, plain and simple. No, I mean, if,
2: yeah, he's. I think he's talking about the application process. Oh, the application process. Yeah, well, which, which sure. is terribly flawed.
0: Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the whole thing yeah. from application process to the time council makes the decision. Well,
1: okay, sure. So we can, disc- you know, you can amend the application process to, I suppose, make it a little bit more fulsome or give people a bigger, um, you know, runway to explain what they're all about and the rest. But at the end of the day, they have an opportunity to attach a resume and these are things, like we already changed the appointment process first of all. We made it so that you had to apply for these appointments before council was elected. And this was an effort to prevent, you know, also-rans and failed candidates from stacking the deck and kind of running after they'd lost the election. I don't think that's smart i think no give those people if i finish second place in ward three and i lose by 50 votes let me put my name in committee of adjustment let me put my name for yeah. london police service board let me do that i don't need to you know while i'm campaigning also have a little insurance policy to run that's one thing they already changed i don't really like i think the applicant i think the application process is what it is it's fine it's never going to be perfect fundamentally my principal thing is these are political appointments you are an elected politician you are a group. One of your responsibilities and authorities you are delegated when you are when you run for office. Have is, you ever
2: filled out an application? First question.
1: Yeah, of course I have.
2: You have to, to be yeah, appointed to be appointed to a committee.
1: Uh, yeah, I think probably twenty fourteen threw okay. one away.
2: All right, so the in there it does not list, for example, committee of adjustment. Meetings take place in the daytime on Thursdays. They can last from 1.30 till 4.30 or 5, or they they can be shortened. Um, You need a computer. You need a printer. You need this to apply because I got so many uh, direct messages from people saying, well, I wanted to get on the, the Committee of Adjustment, but I can't make afternoon meetings. Well, when I told them it was afternoon, and then the, the comment to me was, well, you should change it so it's at night, so I can make it. Well, yeah, but you keep staff, from planning there, they do that. You've got all the applicants and you've got the architects, you've got their engineers and all that. Daytime is when they work. So I can attest to you, daytime meetings for that Committee of Adjustment work. But that limits the number of people who can actually apply. So that's not on anywhere. So people don't know what they're applying for. So how do
1: we to. have daytime meetings for unpaid appointed positions? But for paid positions as city councillors, we like to push it to later times so that councillors can vote. So like, the
2: unpaid people can come out at night and watch the paid people.
1: Right. So those should be flipped. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know. It's, <laughs> These are political appointments fundamentally I'd say. I don't think we need to change. That. I think people want to depoliticize the effort because they're not happy with the way in which this whole police service board yep. process went Oof. and that's not no, it's he, because they screwed it up. It's not yeah. because they it's not because of any the process. To me
0: yeah, the the, the pros yeah, and that's the thing yeah. is what the problem was here was the lack of foresight of we are going to have the London Police Services Board be 87% white. Well, can yeah, I? I was and and like you can you can like that or not like that, but like that was something that was very clearly going to cause a problem in the community, and they didn't see it, and they got raked over the coals. So for let it. me let me
1: just be more specific, very briefly. Yeah. This in terms of the people involved, Ryan Goss was the campaign manager for Josh Morgan. Yes. Okay, I know both of those guys are good people. We've yep. been on the radio with yep. with Ryan and I, I know Josh. Very Ryan well. very good. So guy. just as. Ryan should have never put Josh in this position. He I should have seen it from the beginning and said, no. As a matter of fact, we have 54 applicants. On paper, I'm the most politically connected person in the city of London. So he rejects the idea that he's a political insider. He is. I am. We are. This is, that's okay. That you just are what you are. You yeah. um, should have never put him in that position. Having said that, the mayor, who's also a good guy, needs to be able to see this. And if he is putting that in, his, in that position, you have a half hour, and then I'm going to call you. Cheryl, you're the mayor. I'm your campaign manager. Yeah. I'm not going to put you in that position. But if I did, you would give me a half hour, and then you would call me and say, "Hey Nathan, sweetie, honey, baby, I love you, but you can't <laughs> do this. We have a lot of applications." I wouldn't preface it. Something. You know
2: what I'd say? Two words. Yeah. yeah and then, exactly. Right. One exactly. starts with F. And yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Be- because how, you yeah. got to think about. The perception. And that and and the other thing that I wanted to address is when you said, Craig, no offense, you said the eighty seven percent it doesn't look a right to represent the community. Right That's, in the police act, yeah. it says you don't represent a community, you represent London. Sure. So everybody who applies job is to represent the community of london not their ethnic group oh no not no their color I'll, nothing here's it's the thing about- it's not
0: about representation of the community it's from a political perspective if you if that board is 87 white you're going to have a political problem that's just the way things are
2: in in London, this time it is yes. Yeah, we didn't, and and I think the problem I have is is that Susan gets on, and then all of a sudden resigns, on, and I don't know why. I don't know what changed in her life. She resigned and said, "I want a person of color." It's not up to her. It's no, up to
0: and I, I I agree I agree with that. I just yeah. think council should have you know read the room a little. Bit. You were appointed yeah. to
1: a four year term, and you resigned after two months. If you wanted a perspective on what the London Pl- Police Service Board should do you should have stayed on. You had that uh, yes. privilege that yeah. was delegated to you. And, and I,
0: I couldn't agree more with that. All yeah. I'm saying is, uh, like, so once you're out, then you're out. Like, you you like you don't necessarily get a say here. And, and here's the thing. Maybe you could have a say if you were to say, okay, this is the candidate I wanted or whatever, sort of before voting happens. But that's no, that's I not don't. what happened. And, and, and that's, that's fine. Um, but... At, at some point, if you are the people that are making that decision at City Hall, be it the mayor, be it whoever else did on council, you've got to read the room. And there was a failure to read the room. Well, I would
1: be just as yeah. – but reading the room would be just as if Ryan Goss was a uh, not a white guy. Yeah. If, it would be, if it he would was be still the, still the mayor's thing. campaign manager, yeah. we're still having the yeah, same so conversation. That, that yeah. is the bigger issue here in terms of – and, and the, truthfully, I would imagine – well, Josh was getting it both ways in terms of uh, criticism from one side and criticism from the other. And I would say the one that would have more merit in this regard is the political. But again, if you are going to do this, like Josh, if you've made the decision you're going to do this, stand up in front of the camera, come on your show, Craig, yeah. stand up at City Hall, whatever you want to say, say no, it's going to be Ryan Goss. Yeah, he was not my campaign manager. This is the way it's going to be. But we have to stop with this whole fugazi. It just seems like people aren't talking to one another.
0: Figure it And it that's out part of the of problem with the, with the appointment process, whereas... There was, I don't think, from what I understand, the counselors didn't know who they all voted for until we started seeing the results come in. And I think that if we do the process a little bit differently and see, oh wait, we don't have the same person in the first slot on all of our appointment sheets, but we all have the same person in our second slot. There's something to be said for, hey, let's just sort of see how everybody feels about this, and then maybe have a bit of a conversation. Well,
1: why did now? we not have this conversation when Susan Toth went? She was one of well, three senior advisors. There was only three sure. on Josh Morgan's campaign. Why weren't we talking about it then?
0: And, and I think that's an, I, think, I think there's an ethnicity aspect of that, and I think there's okay. a whole well, bunch of different reasons. Yeah. But you're right that we didn't have that conversation then. And this, so it, 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 the process is was Josh fine is, when it was No, a this is
2: Josh's to wear. Like, nobody has to walk away. They can walk away. This is... Josh is totally to wear. Yeah.
0: and and they totally they've reversed course. We'll see what they wind oh. up with. but and here's the thing. again, I like Ryan, Ryan, great guy. I really mean that cannot speak highly of him more highly of him as an individual they cannot have the second process happen, have it come out where Ryan gets it again. Right. That's a disaster.
2: It's Josh. That's a disaster if that well, happens.
0: So it's not feet. like you, they, they, they can't have it happen
1: again. Well, then they yeah. need to make that phone call and use yeah, to the yeah, job. But if exactly. he's going to be one, I'll tell you what, I'm unless he pulls out, he will be one of the five people I agree. that are interviewed. And if that is a, if he's one of the five people interviewed, he should have every right to be considered as the five. That decision, Craig, what you just said, that decision as to whether or not he mm-hmm. has merit or not to be, chosen, needs to be discussed and finalized before they choose the five people they interview. Because if they lose that battle, and the people, in other words, that have that perspective that Ryan shouldn't be one of the final people considered or shouldn't yeah. be considered, then that should be figured out now, yeah. today, yeah. on Tuesday, or next Tuesday, before uh, the next uh, council meeting. Don't I have no idea whether
0: that's happened, to be clear. I haven't talked to anybody. No, no, exactly. Yeah. That's right. But
1: yeah. I'm just saying that that... No, if it goes to interviews and he does get it, we're not going to do this again. No, no, it went to interviews. You had your say on the five people selected for interviews, and he was one of the five. And if he is one of the five, he deserves every right to be considered. Don't mm-hmm. just put his name there and then say, well, we're not going to choose him in the first place. No, then choose somebody else to be one of the five.
2: Well, this is a horrible time in the city. I'm embarrassed, really, for everybody, how this has unfolded. And, it, and I say, say, it's Josh's to, to where? He's the leader. He should have dealt with it completely different. That, that to me, was a real low point in his leadership. I well, they've, they've reversed one.
0: course. We'll see oh. what the result of that reversal, of course, looks yeah. like. Uh, I want to talk about another story real quick. It's affordable housing, and we saw it. it was in the, yeah. uh, There's a th- conversation right by a place where I used to work. They want to build 35-story uh, apartment building uh right by the uh the downtown hilton there uh sounds like a great idea but there's concern about a lack of affordable housing should counselors be concerned about a lack of affordable housing with a development like this scott because it's it's huge and it's right in the core where we want it do we ha- do we argue about affordable housing or do we
3: just kind of let it go and say hey this is this is too good to say no to i i i'm inclined to, to say it's too good to say no to but but beyond that i mean again i i have a little bit of difficulty sometimes when 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 we argue about affordable housing, the, I should say the, the responsibility of, of developers when it comes to affordable housing. I was just looking at a graph this morning. You, probably, you guys probably saw it too. It was a bar graph looking at the amount of housing that has been built by the Toronto Housing uh, Corporation or yes. THC, yeah. THTC or whatever, yeah. um, the, the Municipal Housing Corporation yep. of Toronto. How many units they have built uh, over the past few decades and when you look at it in bar graph form, it's alarming how few have been built in the last 20 years. And, and I suspect that's true of many municipalities in Ontario. So I have a little bit of a tough time sometimes. I mean, I understand, but but at the same time, it's sort of like I, I have difficulty with municipalities going after developers when it comes to affordable housing, when municipalities are building so little of it. Right. And, and to me, again, when we talk about getting more affordable housing, look, for the by and large, developers aren't going to do it. It's not profitable. It's got to be done by by municipal governments. The province doesn't seem entirely interested. The feds are paying lip service. Oh yeah. So it's got to be done at the municipal level. So with that in mind, to me, arguing over whether or not this 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 downtown development by the by the DoubleTree has enough affordable housing it, to me in some ways detracts from the more important argument. Which is what are you doing as a municipality to a build affordable housing or b make it easier and, and quote unquote profitable for for developers to build? Oh, it?
2: well said. Honestly, Scott, that's very good. <laughs> 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 because you're, it's it's the same. Um, shuffle down. You've got the feds who are not doing anything about housing, so they've shuffled it down to the province. The provinces they're not doing anything about housing. Municipalities are starting to do some, but uh, like to suggest that the councillor from Ward 13 is going to negotiate with the developer of that of that high-rise scares the shit out of me <laughs> like the, the guy was just elected he sold insurance or something before so what does he know about housing and negotiating like really nothing so don't embarrass us by sending council members to negotiate because if i was a developer there'd be two words i'd say and say no no we're not going to do that
0: the if problem- you're that developer you're like well i need eight votes I yeah. don't need yours. I don't. <laughs> there are there are fourteen. Yeah. There are Incidental. fifteen votes I can go get. I need eight yeah. of them. Incidental. So. so
2: see the problem too. Now your dad, Roger, is involved in Soho. You're, what you're finding is you're finding not-for-profits coming together and building housing. They're getting money from federal, provincial, and the city. That's the right way to do it. Do not let the city build. Have you seen That's the, the slummy point. stuff that they've built? Have you seen mm-hmm. the terrible apartments? The number of work that needs to be done in it. The townhouses that they're actually going to take right down on the corner of Millbank and Southdale Bingo. because they're so bad.
1: They're ghettos that we, they we are. created. So we what, do it. Th- this is the point. And, and what I would say is those graphs are they tell something, but they're a little bit misleading because it was a model that. That was sh- they shifted away from that model. And you were there at the time, Cheryl, yeah. when it was, we're moving away from municipally Built. funded. Uh, uh, projects because what they were creating was ghettos oh. that people were just thrown into, and then that's the way it was. You, you, Toronto a, too. Apartment built. You know, Toronto, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so, and I say ghettos because that's what they are, and that's what the people that live there would say they are, yeah. and they're not treated properly. They, they're. It's not great in there. And so, what they moved away from was just sticking them all in one place and hiding them behind a bigger building or you know things that they've done, and instead, let's fund it and disperse it into other areas. So, in other words, we will build. Um, we will build or allocate. You know, ten percent of this building is going to be served at seventy percent or eighty percent of market rent, and then it's all kind of ingratiated into the ecosystem. And you're, you know, people don't know who's on affordable housing. Everybody has a dignity, and that way, so and
2: fund that. Yes, I mean, and, and about- that's what they yes. do. Mm-hmm. The, yes, yeah. the
1: the difference now is that bonusing because of the provincial legislation is now. But bonusing has been something that has been used forever. We've talked about this on this program, where. Um, you know, Basically, a developer gets to build another couple stories if they allocate 10 or 12 affordable housing units. Fine. And they love that. They're like, yeah, great, no problem. Like, I'll build more physical units. This is not the model. And this is not the model because it doesn't work in Toronto. And this is something that really they changed that is not ideal. I think bonusing was good. It worked in the it city did. of London. It's something we could have done a little bit more. Fundamentally, though this is a question of supply and demand and i don't want to be harping on this from a two-dimensional perspective but we've got to get if we've got 35 story building that's going to get built great build it do it more supply on the market affects yeah. market rates it mm-hmm. it it just moves it that way yeah. my perspective is you know we had what was it 9 years ago we had one of the most reformative one of the most how do i say one of the most the biggest changes in London, and that was the Matt Brown 2014 election. It changed the entire psyche of London because it was so dominant and the council that followed him was so on his coattails. And it was this whole... For two build, years. Build up. And then Yeah, but, but <laughs> the ideology the ideology yeah. has seeped in and yeah. it has stuck. And it's been imported from other major urban uh, municipalities. And it's the build up, not out mentality. We need mm-hmm. to build into the core. We can't build outside, etc. Okay. What did they prove over that time? They built... Not up and not out. They right. did neither. They would say no to a lot of things, way yeah. too many things. Yeah, and even the stuff that was built, they didn't hold developers to account to make sure it was it looked good and was beautiful. There's a lot of really crappy stuff that's out there. I will say that to their face. I don't the developers face that it's just ugly. But they had to make the numbers work. But you know what? The numbers could work a little bit better. Um, we need to build up and out. We need to build where the demand wants it. If we're going to continue to take in people from the GTA, from other countries, from other, all coming into our city, which is what we want. We need to fill the market demand for that. And if it means that the people in Wortley and Woodfield and Old North have to pay a little bit more in their property taxes to facilitate, you know, some of the development and the stuff that goes out there, fine. Because they've done pretty well on their home that's been tripled in value over the last 20 years. And I'm not going to hear about it. We need to build all over the place, and we there's a lot of place in London to build, and we can do that. We can do it in a responsible way, in a beautiful way. And the last thing I'll say is we can use public funding to do it. But these developers have money burning a hole in their pocket. And there they are build. billions of dollars on the sideline that they're ready to invest here, right. and it's time to get that into the market. Grab them by the collar, bring them into the room, and say, "Write the check with a couple extra zeros on it to build your neighborhoods, your high rises, etc." We need to do that, and okay. I think that my generation, quite frankly, is going to be starting to come in now that you know people have been cut out of the marketplace. I, you know, I have a middle class—not me—I, you know, but I've got buddies who got a middle class job; they don't have a house. I mean, they're starting to realize, hey, you know what?
0: No, I voted a certain way before. I'm going to vote a different way. We're going to talk about this a little later in the podcast, but Pierre Polyev, his messaging of, hey, there's a lot of Canadians who do everything right. They're going to school. They're getting a good job. And then they look and they say, okay, time to buy a house and it just isn't happening for them. That messaging is effective mm-hmm. yeah. because there's a lot of Canadians your age, a little younger, some even my age. So I'm I'm going to be 38 next week. There are oh. some people who I know I know. Can you believe it? Uh, there are some people who are my age. Oh, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough. I got into the market when I did, which is good. But there are some people my age who would be in similar situations to me that just cannot access the market now. Right. Yeah. So,
2: but the apartment is is a good option. Purchasing one is a good option. Like I got to say this, and I and I'm saying it honestly. I don't. It doesn't cost me that much to live in London. My taxes mm-hmm. for what I have and what I receive and the opportunities, of fire department, the police, the hospital down the road. I mean, I've got all these absolute fortune. I'm fortunate. And I fund the school system because it's important to educate the upcoming kids. It's really important. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's cheap to live in London. Yeah. but. It, what what I think pisses me off more than anything is it's the reluctance. Like, council needs to get a backbone. And we tried years ago, and th- we were just chewed up and spit out. It's okay to state to people, this is what we're going to do with your increase. It's going up 5%. And out of that 5%, this is our intentions.
0: Well, here's, here's the, the, so the last roundtable. We didn't do one last week because I was on vacation the Good Friday. But before that... Sean Lewis is in here, Deputy Mayor of London. He's saying property tax are the worst tax we have.
2: I agree with him. That's all we've got.
0: I think that's true. But again, we're out of other options, aren't we?
2: We are. If if they want to beat up the province, that's where they start beating them up because we don't have any opportunities to do that. And maybe
0: they should be beating up the province over things such as, uh, this is just, uh, it's a bugaboo for me, but I think it's relevant here, social assistance rates and things along those lines, which are way too low. And that causes a lot of problems. The municipality has to clean up by... Uh, hiring more police officers and things along those lines there's a there's a a mental there's a a very large missing mental health component of what the province should be responsible for and the city of london out of our property tax base has to take care of where the province is dropping the ball
2: mental health yeah property taxes
0: property taxes are not
1: ideal because you have people that make you know a whole ton of money that still live in a house that's 750 grand and so they're not paying perhaps what they could but relative to municipal services you know, the evidence will suggest it's not the worst way to fund it. I mean, there's ways you can add income taxes, you could do certain ways, but that's reinventing the wheel. I guess the point is we don't have to reinvent the wheel to start dealing with these challenges. We have London is the fastest growing city in Canada, the fastest growing city. We have a ton of challenges, but evidently people think this is a good enough city that they want to be here and they prove it by their feet they vote yeah. with their feet they move here they bring their money they bring their kids and they want to do that my position has always been you build the city that you want what do i want i want a lot of families in this city i want a lot of people to be able to assume to to ascend into that role i want people i want to build single family housing if it's low density great that's the way it is but i you know let's make sure they're not all million dollar homes some can be 500,000 dollar homes some can be 400,000 dollar homes that's we need to build the city that we want build up and out make sure it looks good make sure it fits with you know everything but that's your job that's what you're supposed to do as a city council and these developers have like i'm all for listening to publicly funded stuff but when it comes to housing these guys have so much cash they don't know what to do with they're they're screaming at us we want to do this
3: now i, sh- I should i should just say with with what i said earlier i should kind of uh Reiterate that point that, yes, I, I, I do believe that there should be more public housing built. That being said, I also think that largely because we are in such a crisis. So, yes, I'd love to see developers build more, but I sometimes think it's a little bit unfairer to expect that of them when we're not as municipalities, we're not you know doing doing much on the building front i agree you know sometimes what is built by by public entities is is wanting in quality but we're in a crisis right now and and i think it has to be all hands on deck right. it has to, we have the municipalities need to make it easier for developers and you're right they they do have a ton of money burning holes in their pocket but we have to recognize the fact that the developers are in this for, for profit, and that's and understandable, that's fine. and that's reasonable, yeah. and that's it's perfectly a, that's fine. A, and a, if we're going to expect this of them, then I think we need to make it a little easier for them right. to do that so that it gets done, not and, not based on any sense of... Uh,
2: and the city's going through that process yeah. right now because they right. have to... You know, the role used to be on council when the bees were there. Every time an application came in, the answer was No. We don't want it. NIMBY would run this city. Mm-hmm. We've stepped back from that. The other thing I want to say, with, with Nathan in mind, is integrated neighborhoods are important. Mm-hmm. Have the million-dollar yeah. house. Have the five hundred thousand dollars. Have the walk-ups. Have the apartment buildings. When a community of a million-dollar homes isn't a community. No. Right. So we we the the developers are doing what the market bids, but I think the city should say to them, let's do integrated neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Let's put let's put uh, affordable housing with the million-dollar homes.
1: And when, Scott, when you were making the point, it, we were in the context of the building proposed, I think, was it 320 yeah, Kingston King and yeah. Waterloo there, yeah. that uh, we're on the same page. Affordable housing mm. should be in there. Now, they're yeah. not going to mandate it. Fine. It, sh- it doesn't need to be everywhere. My fundamental point is we need to build it, get yeah. it done, and you know we can decide these things moving forward. I don't want to say no to these projects, and neither do you. No, neither does anybody not, saying no. because... Um, we're not going to mandate affordable housing. Some of them, it doesn't work. But, you know, others and most of them, it should. And affordable housing is a good thing. People, yep. I know a ton of people. I'm on boards of directors for, for uh, affordable housing things. The people that are in these places are good people. They're not like, you know, they're not the, the highest need people. They're At the end of the day, they're still paying 70 or 80% of market rent. I mean, yeah, that's those, still a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And that even that supply still works its way in the marketplace. So, you know, um, this is the protectionist narrative at the local level when people don't want to build they don't want to do this so don't lecture me about protectionism on the national stage or international stage
2: when you, do when it you don't
1: way. want to you know build
0: something three blocks from your house right. yeah you know, okay. done with it
2: yep good
0: uh mike moffat tweeted this out uh this week and i thought it was an interesting I retweeted.
2: A response from Skylar frank
0: uh, that's that's yep. he did not like the quote surrounding this is not going to help the market because yep. he and Mike is right. Nice. Uh, the fact that London, Ontario's environmental movement is so hell-bent on pushing housing development out to Lucan really makes me question their priorities. Right. That's where we say
1: build <laughs> up and out. Because yeah. if it's not going to be on the northern or western edge of London, it's going to be in Ilderton or Lucan or uh, Strathroy. That's where it's going to go. And that's what Mike is saying. And, and, and with all due respect to Mike, again… You know, 10 years ago he was singing from a different songbook. So I, we, we accept converts. We accept converts on this side of the aisle is what I'm <laughs> well, saying. Well, the game has changed though in 10 years. Yeah. Well, uh, but so the game me. changed, but now there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And with this problem was seen by people ahead of time. Yeah. And this we, we we didn't need to get here, but we did. We, it would have been much easier to build over the last 10 years They'd when have interest to rates rush were now. at zero. Yeah, And have to rush now when interest rates are back at five because we got inflation and all this stuff. Why were interest rates at zero for so long? To entice nice this type of thing. Build, yeah. For the Federal government and Bank of Canada saying, guys, do it, invest, start a company, build, do this stuff. And we still had gatekeepers. We couldn't get through council. Right.
2: Absolutely. It's interesting because none of the bees now live in London. None of them. Well
1: (laughs) and
0: I I understand that you were there Uh, and had those had those particular fights. Oh yes. Um I'll I'll, I'll say this though. I think that you know if we are doing more intensification. That means that there's going to be other spots in the city where people may be living in large single-family homes, where they say, "Oh, you know what? I can stay in London and live closer to downtown." That's just gonna—it just eases the entire market. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we look out at the London uh, psychiatric hospital lands. Like, we need to get going on that project. Yeah. Like, look at all the land that's there, right in the heart of London. Like, th- thousands of people could live right. in there if we do it properly. Yeah.
1: Well, right? th- those—that's are that's yeah. the low-hanging fruit, and yeah. that's what we're talking about. Like that that. You know, that is what it is. That's got to get built. We got to get going on that. Yeah, but Um, you know
2: the family went through death, right? Right.
1: So there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of specifics to all these things. But the truth is, in terms of stuff that's I'm, in other words, at this point and from my perspective, I'm not necessarily super concerned there because that's already been approved. They're going to get that done. They're moving on that. Yes. I want the new stuff and so does a lot of other people. And I don't want to prevent it based on arbitrary things that if you don't build here, we're just going to build it for cheaper, you know, five kilometers to the north or yeah. 10 kilometers to the west. No, build it here. We're London. We win. You lose. That's what. That's the uh, the uh, attitude we have to have on this. Yeah, be, come the, south be a bully man. in the playground. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Come south, young man, and see the new Costco. Lots of building out there needs to happen. Right. We've got lots is, of land It is. A, it is London. a nice new Costco. It is.
0: Uh, let's talk about one more story before we wrap up. Uh, Twitter fights. That's my personal favorite activity. <laughs> I, however am not the leader of a federal political party. Pierre Polyev and Jagmeet Singh are leaders of federal political parties and they had a Twitter fight with each other this week. Oh, and a lot of people were talking about that. Show.
3: Scott, <laughs>
0: should know, should political leaders be having fights on Twitter or should they be saving that for the House of Commons?
3: <laughs> well, I mean what a circus. That's what it was. It was this mm. it was a it was a, a a little circus that that, you know, captured some attention for a little while. To me is it too much to ask? Is it too much to ask to have serious party leaders in this country? We have uh, we have a federal government that has a lot of things it can be criticized for, and and you could very easily make the argument that its performance over the last number of years uh, has rendered it unworthy of re-election. The problem I have uh, is the two other main options aren't exactly covering themselves in glory right now it's it's bloody absurd like like really this, you two and i'm you know it's it, it comes as such a disappointment because here's a golden opportunity for for both of these parties probably more so the conservatives because they they have had electoral success at the federal level formed government in the past the ndp of course is not but here's a perfect opportunity for pierre polyev and to a lesser degree uh jagmeet singh to say look there's a, no shortage of people in this country who think that our prime minister is a little bit of a clown, <laughs> and a little bit of an empty suit. And, and, and that's not, you know, depending on where you sit on the spectrum, that that's not a completely out there argument. Right. He, has show, he has shown that at times, that he maybe is, is not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> That being said, I mean, if 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 that's what you're up against, if that's what you're trying to unseat, is the is the the best way to go about that basically uh, being a, a shit poster on Twitter? Like, like be serious, for God's sakes. This is a country of over 40 million people, a member of the G7, and you want to be the leader of it. And this is the type of thing. There's a country doing. of 400 million people where someone became president by being a shit <laughs> yeah, poster fair, on Twitter. Fair, well, and yeah. Fair, I mean, I get it. I get yeah. it. Populism can be, you know, and and appealing to to and, people who love that kind of fighting and, and, and tribalism and whatnot. Yeah. There's an appeal to that. I, I get agree. it. Here's the difference. Though, sakes, can we be a serious nation for a change? Here's the
0: difference, though, between. And look, I, I have no time for Donald Trump, but. Uh, when it came to uh, shit-posting abilities, Trump is a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. He is pretty yeah. good. Pierre Polyev, not so much. Elon Musk, 0 out of 10, to be oh, clear. Okay. Uh. Well, I think, um, uh, first of all, this speaks to
1: actually really what we were talking about earlier, where just the political game has changed, and you know you have a lot more engagement and a lot easier to distribute your message than before. You don't have to have a one-on-one right. with Peter Mansbridge to get your message out. You can go on Twitter and you know uh, say what you want to say. The key thing to understand, in my opinion, what's that line? I think it was in The Godfather 2 when Michael looks at the senator and he says, listen, we're all a part we're of the a same, part hypocrisy. same hypocrisy, right? That's yeah. what this is. So they, they all know the game that's being played. There's not an election right now. The NDP has no money. That's the worst kept secret in the world. Yeah. They can't raise any money. And they're trying to generate energy behind their movement in the off season, quote unquote. Um, by picking on Galen Weston, and I love it. Good, go for it. And for for the conservatives who are trying to, me being a conservative, who are trying to shift from a more pro-big business party to a more working-class small business party, I'm glad, frankly, that Jagmeet Singh is holding their feet to the fire in that regard and saying, hey, no, I had Galen Weston here and you guys didn't show up. Do the, Hey, if that's the narrative you want to take, great. For Pierre to come back, I mean, fundamentally, The main thing I'll advise anybody in politics at this point, no free shots on goal. No free shots on goal. If somebody's picking on you, if somebody's saying something, you respond, you do it now, and you talk about them, you talk about the issue at hand, don't just let it sit. Don't let that seep in there. And to your point, Scott, there are a ton of people Working class or aspiring working class people who didn't vote in 2015, didn't vote in 2019, didn't vote in 2021, but now what they think our prime minister is a clown and I'm trying to figure out who I want to vote for now. Yeah, and so you've got NDP and conservative voters, and frankly, you ask a lot of you know, I'm an East Ender, and so Cheryl, you ask NDPers or conservatives out there. The people that are orange voters out there are orange-blue voters. They're not orange-red voters. And the people that are blue voters out there are blue-orange voters, not blue-red voters. So Mm -hmm. this type of working-class populist narrative, for me, I love it. It's all about mobilization. It's all about getting people fired up. And contrasting, I think that contrasting, showing the difference between you and your opponent is a good thing.
0: Let me ask you this, though, Nathan, and this is the part that that confused me because you're right. There's a lot of of blue support in East London, blue collar workers. Absolutely. You're talking about employees at, uh, at the various plans out there. Yes. Why does the Conservative Party of Canada or the Professor Conservative Party of Ontario not try to win that riding?
1: Uh, in London, franchise. Yeah. Well, London franchise is really, really unique.
0: I, under, I understand. There's the Matheson
1: Dynasty, but yeah, like you know,
0: it just feel like though the the effort hasn't been put in.
1: Well, I yeah. agree with you there, and I think probably it would be a lot easier to go after some place like London, franchise than once North we've, Center. Once we've already got London West, for example, yeah, and uh, maybe London enough. West and North Center, I think that uh, provincially and federally there has not been a concerted effort. At the end of the day, it's anything in a business. You've got to allocate your resources as efficiently as possible, and when you're looking at the map. And you're looking at, hey, we're three three. we lost to Ariel Kayabaga by three thousand votes in the last federal election, and we've got to get a few more voters in Oak Ridge, Westmount, and Riverbend. I'll focus there on getting opposed those voters. To, As you, opposed to, lost to Lindsay by a
0: lar- much larger margin. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: And you know what? You're going to get the ridings are going to change. It's going to yeah. look different. The whole voter coalition is going to be different. So we'll see what happens there. I, I'm very bullish on blue party chances, provincially and federally, um, over the next 10 years in London Fanshawe, eventually. I think that there will be some changes there and, and we'll get there. But I think that it's, again, it's efficiency allocation of resources. But these conversations, the fact that a guy like pierre is that like i mean i'm just glad frankly my own perspective it's not jean shere who would be you know bending the knee to a guy like galen western or other ones to big business trying to put conservatives back in the big business camp no that's not where things are at big business is firmly with the liberal party now and it has been for quite some time These are the people we need to speak up for. These are the people that are hurting, and we're going to be able to pull together. I mean, look at the province has done a very good job of that. Not necessarily in a a public sector union town like London uh, at winning seats, but, I mean, the provincial uh, PCs have got two-thirds of the seats in in the legislature right now. And, I mean— you know, and there's different dynamics there. At the federal level, I mean, you're going to be trying to scale up a Doug Ford, Monty McNaughton kind of pro-working class labor narrative yep. that works for those people. And then you're
0: going to have to challenge the well, NDP com- and the liberals to say, what what have you done to for me, us? federally, it comes down to, as it always does, the 905. Whereas there are a lot of people who voted for Doug Ford in that region of the country who voted for Justin Trudeau. Right, and we can. If, you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. Look at a map, mm-hmm. and you see it. It's right there. Look at a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How does Pierre Polyev get those Doug Fuller voters to vote for him? Well, can I do say uh, I think no? Do go ahead.
2: we're talking about it? That's what I'm saying. Is as yeah. you're talking about the Twitter battle, we're talking about it, aren't we? Yeah. And that's the first thing in politics. Mention my name. Talk about me. Jagmeet is. I, I mean. Like, don't even. I, I don't think he should waste his time on it, but everybody's talking about that. Um, how's how Pierre going to do it? He's going to, he's going to, this time, the, the feds are going to use Ford.
1: Yeah, I, they're not going to shy away from no, him. Why like would they? The, they did But last th- this time. is the thing you have to be what you are. And I mean, yeah, you know, to what your point, uh, Craig, there's a lot of Doug Ford voters who are Justin Trudeau voters or vice versa. But yeah. I'll tell you what, you go to Oak Ridge, you go to Westmount. You go to North London, you go to Riverbend. There's a lot of Andrew Scheer voters and Aaron O'Toole, O'Toole voters who were Andrea Horvath voters. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. happens too. So you've got the other side of the coin. Yeah. And these are people that, ha- that vote in their interest as we all do. And I mean, look at what the numbers are. Pierre Polyev is winning public sector union employees across oh. Canada. That's remarkable. Well, that's sure. not. I, I don't know. But that and last here's time the thing, happened.
0: though. So let's just look at the bill, Bill One Twenty Four situation. I know. I personally know several public sector employees who vote conservative federally. And vote New Democrat provincially because they're pissed off about Bill 124. Right. like those voters are out there. Well, no. I think that yeah, sure. I think more
1: fundamentally, you have a lot of like nurses and doctors and professors no. and teachers that are employed provincially um, and have a very strong union, and they vote in their self-interest, and they right. say, no, I'd rather have you know a Peggy Sattler voting for or uh, on my behalf or Terence Kernahan or, no. okay, great, that's their that's their narrative. But at the federal level, hey, you know what? things are out of control financially, yeah. you know, the interest I rates, agree. all this stuff, we'll yeah. vote. Uh, federal. So you, you have both sides of the coin. And I guess really what we're saying is the two dimensional understanding of the voter really has to be shaken. And in this context, this discussion of social media and battles is, you know what, for the low information voter, for people that do have a, you know, don't have a lot of time or frankly are new to the political game, I understand that it's messy, but people, there's a certain section of people who are looking for this type of contrast to better understand what the hell are my options here at the end of the day why see that yeah hey pierre why didn't you go you know screaming y'all at galen weston and then pierre goes well i'll tell you what you guys are boosting the liberal government you know all the yeah. stuff you're complaining yep. about mm-hmm. you're in there and they go yeah good point i didn't even think of that what do you say you know what i mean like there's a lot of new converts here people that are engaged and this is we always talk about engagement why don't we have more voter engagement this type of stuff is who we're talking about pulling in. The people that would look at this type of Twitter back and forth. And frankly, they're not on Twitter.
0: But in terms of the messaging. I think there are some people at. who are on Twitter, but not politics. Twitter that may have seen this, i.e. I'm on Twitter because I want to talk about the leaves. Like, oh, wait, this is an interesting right. thing that happened. I looked at this over here. You know what I mean? But I like
2: the fact that we've got a leader who's prepared to fight. For sure. You you know, know, that's bingo. And, and we, we haven't. So
0: to me, the, question, the unanswered question about Polyev, and I'm, I'm curious to know where, uh, what Scott feels about this, is... Will people in the 905, suburban Vancouver and suburban Montreal be willing to get behind this guy? Because he needs at least two of those three yeah. things. Otherwise, you know, otherwise Justin Trudeau's going to be prime minister again.
3: See, that's that, there. There's there's several dynamics at, at play here. I think one, Polyev is, is you know once the campaign starts, as we get closer to it, mm-hmm. and when it, when it is eventually launched, the spotlight's going to be a lot brighter on him, right. and the elements of his personality that that are that can be criticized are going to be highlighted. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, and, and not that it's necessary to come across as warm and fuzzy, but he sure doesn't. Um, and, I, and I think that may be a problem for him. What is going to benefit him, as, as has benefited uh, politicians throughout history, is incumbency fatigue. People are tired There's a lot of people who are just tired of this government, tired of the the federal liberal party and specifically tired of Justin Trudeau and Krista Freeland and people like Mark Gerritsen Mm -hmm. and so on. The list goes on. Mm -hmm. They've been around for a while. They've been around long enough for their mistakes to to be magnified and and to be focused on. And I think by and large, that's created a a real opening for Polyev despite some of his uh, less than, than attractive uh, 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 qualities. So I think the short answer to your question, Craig, is yes. He can, he can make some serious inroads in the 905 and can very easily win the next election.
2: And how many of you ever thought that a guy is a premier in Ontario that would talk about folks and yeah. showing baking and being bold and really, really putting... Monty McNaughton was brilliant. Like putting him in that position, I have never seen such a swing and I've never seen such an, a number of people that are actually getting I think he's doing involved. a very good job. Their, their kids are getting an apprenticeship programs. Our trades are benefiting. This has been a long time waiting for that. But it was a conservative government. Well, and here's the did. thing:
0: the conservative party, kind of like this, the, the, this wing of v- voters that Monty McNaughton's trying to court and talk about, and he's talking about stuff like you know higher standards on construction yeah. sites for uh, for women who are construction yeah. employees, things yeah. on. The, I think yeah. the, the, these are great things that he's talking about. Uh, this was just a set of subsection of voters that conservatives just essentially ignored for a long oh, time, uh, right?
1: forever. Well, yeah. they,
0: I think frankly it was
1: more so from the perspective of we're not going to win these people, yeah. So yeah. we're not going to go after them. It's identifying... Well, they could have tried, and like, here we are. Well, yeah. hey, but but you make a decision you live with the consequences so we're going to go after these people and these seats in this area and we're going to go after their votes and because you can't be all things to all people i mean that would be the worst thing right and um no so this is a new part of the coalition i think it's i think it's not unique to canada or ontario either this is this is happening all over the place where the you know conservative parties that are making this shift um, you know, and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. <laughs> but conservative parties that are changing their priorities to the more working class and, and underclass populations and supporting them in that effort, it is consistent with uh, so, some of the messages. I mean, I've said it before. There's so much of the debates we've had over, over the last 50 years where union leaders got it right we we just went through covid we just we understand by virtue of uh inflation by virtue of uh the pandemic and some of the sources we now understand firsthand some of the consequences of surrendering our supply chains all around the world That's just sure. one example yep. the, who was saying that it was the union leaders That's it was true. the NDP it was Jack Layton yep. and it was you know this whole you know high church of free market you know economic or not free market free trade absolute free trade you know nonsense that was kind of seeped into everything which again, I'm all for free trade, but you've got to do it with people that are reliable partners. You've got to do it with people that share your values. I mean, we're learning a lot of lessons, and we have to give ourselves enough room to be allowed to learn those things. But I'm Jack, not gonna...
2: Jack could do it. Jagmeet can't.
3: Exactly. So he's trying, right? You know, well, but...
2: you can't. You can't. You can't dress and act and live right. like him and it, talk about the working poor. Can't do that.
3: No. So... Well, and I think one of the challenges that he's going to have is is there are a lot of people who see him as 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 Justin Trudeau in an orange shirt. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like call he, him
2: Justin si- Trudeau light.
3: Similar similar yeah. privileged backgrounds. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's a problem. That's going to be a problem for him.
1: I remember knocking on doors in 2019, uh, in London West for the Conservatives, and there were guys I remember knocking on their door, and they said, on this alone, they said, Nathan, I know that I've been a voter or conservative voter in the past. But on this alone, and don't kill me for it, I always said to my kids and to my father and my grandparents, I remember one guy specifically, but this was a message. If there was ever a guy who looked and sounded like Jagmeet Singh, who ascended into political leadership in Canada, I'm going to vote for that guy. And I would look at that guy and say, you know what? I'm all in on that. Go for it. I respect that. You're making a decision. You're gonna vote for Jag Meat. This is a person of Sikh heritage, of, of, of a, a unique yep. background that's ascended to that's really special. And if that's how you're gonna cast your vote, great, go for it. So there were a lot of reasons. This guy, in a lot of ways, this guy had a lot of momentum, for example, just from the beginning, to cut this deal with the liberals. Mm. I mean, I don't need to go, I could be the the skunk at the garden party at the NDP uh, meetings where you'll get a hundred of them. You go to the membership, they don't want that. Yeah. They don't want boosting, you know, they don't want Pierre Polyev either, but they don't want them getting in bed with the liberals as yeah. much as they have. The problem like, was,
0: the war chest was empty. They had no money for an election, so right. they had to avoid it as long as possible. So
1: great, okay. you're going to have a war chest, and then you're going to have a whole bunch of yeah. unmotivated oh. NDPers sitting at home saying, you know
0: what, why the hell would I vote for you because you just boosted I'm, this I'm guy. just trying right, to right. say, this is this is what the thought process was. Is we can't have an election in the next year and a half because we, won't, we don't have enough money to fight right. it. Right. Okay. So we at least want to try this with money, even if we have pissed off some of our members. Right, I, I, I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I sort of understand why they went the way that they did. Yeah. I don't know if that's a what I would have done. Right, I uh, sold his soul to the devil. Yeah, because what, what what we're gonna this is his last election. Yeah, whatever the next yeah. the next yeah. one we do is his last election. Yeah. Who knows sort of what's next for him? In fact, this is probably the last election for Trudeau too. So it's yeah. like even if he wins, this is the end of the road. I think. I mean, the difference with Trudeau
1: is that the Liberal Party, like I mean, he. he and has in the family, like it's an institutionally yes. built, they've done the, like they're brutal. These guys are not, these guys are serious players. Like this is what conservatives mistake sometimes. The liberals know what they're doing. Oh, they are, God, they're yes. smart at winning. They know how to do it. They suck at governing, they're, They have a, but they have a vision. They know what they believe and they try and go and get that. Now they're all desperate. Now they're all, uh, it, it's chaotic. Jagmeet does not have the same kind of ownership of the NDP as Trudeau Personal. would. I mean, how, okay, who's going to go after Trudeau? Like, I mean, is there somebody – is Christian Freeland going to pipe up and no. say, I'm going to – I don't I just, so. like, I who, just
0: think that they're going to be smart enough to see the writing on the wall. They, let's say they get another minority. Mm-hmm. They're going to be smart enough to realize, okay, that, that that's it. We're never going to have a majority with this guy ever again. And every time we go to the polls with this guy, we're risking – Pierre Polyev or whoever it is, becoming prime minister, we've got to make a change here. Well,
1: Kretchen and I'm not a big Kretchen yeah. guy, but he was one of the smartest like human beings yeah. that have ever been the the prime minister of the country. He saw the, ri- the writing eventually on the yeah. wall. Yeah. He said, hey, buddy, Paul Martin, who I don't like at all, why don't you become leader now? No problem. I'll exit stage left so that he never had to lose an election. And then Paul Martin had two years and he left. So, I mean, yeah. is Trudeau... I don't think Trudeau's ego would permit him to do that. Yeah. I think that he'll... Uh, but I also don't think he sees it as Ego, and that's fine. I think he looks at it as, no, I mean, I've made this bed, I'm going to lay in it, and if we suffer the consequences, that's fine. But... You know, Kathleen you're, Wynn did that. We, you're you know. too
2: nice to him. I think I, 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 he's not that
0: nice. <laughs> I'm. I mean, you're the first person to ever say I'm too nice to Justin <laughs> <laughs> We'll I have to end it on that note. We've been talking for over an hour, which is what? not typically how as long as we do this, but it kind of flew by. So thank you so much to to Cheryl and to Nathan and to Scott for for doing the uh, Vida roundtable with us this week. Thank you very much for all of you, to all of you rather, for listening, downloading, subscribing, reviewing the Craig Needles podcast, which you can find, of course, at classicrock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and on your favorite podcast app the craig needles podcast is a presentation of the blackburn media podcast network